Hey, good morning. My name is David Scott. We're both named David. Um, and I'm the student ministry pastor here, and uh, I get to speak to you guys this morning, and I'm really thankful for that. Uh, you know, with Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, a lot of churches uh, canceled church today. I saw that, a lot of ch- churches around the area. And instead, David asked me to preach. So, <laughs> in 30 minutes, you'll know which one was the better decision, and you can let him know for next year, not me. Um, so, uh, no, I'm glad uh, to get to speak to you guys anytime that I get a chance. So, I'm going to spend some time talking to you guys today. Uh, about a guy named Caleb, and, and really about uh, the sort of latter part uh, of Caleb's life. If you don't know Caleb, um, Caleb is really only mentioned a couple of times in the Bible, but in those couple of times, you get to see his personality, and it doesn't seem like he's the kind of guy who changes over time. He seems like he's a similar guy. The first time uh, you meet, <clears throat> we meet Caleb is in Numbers 13. Uh, the Israelites have come out of Egypt, and they're wandering around the desert, and uh, it, there's, there's a little bit of uh, just, it's a little vague, but either God or the Israelites or some combination um, decide we're going to go check out the promised land. And we're going to see, one, if it's worth traveling to, and two, if there's anybody there that we need to fight to get it. And so Moses takes 12 men, uh, leaders uh, in, in their tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel, and Caleb is one of those guys. He's the uh, he's from the tribe of Judah, and these guys go out, and they check out the land. Some of you may be familiar with this part of the story, and this is where the whole it's flowing with milk and honey, right, comes from, and it's great. It's, it's beautiful. Their crops are producing well. It's, it's a good and favorable place to be, especially compared to the desert, right? And so um, they actually bring back this giant uh, cluster of grapes just to show how incredible it is, uh, but there are also... Uh, people in the land already. And some of those um, are the Anakites, um, or the Anakim is what they're called sometimes. And these were like really, really big dudes, okay? Like they were not, they, they were not just like bow tall big, but they were like Andre the Giant tall big, right? Like they were big guys, um, and, and they were scary to the Israelites. And so they thought, we, we can't beat those guys. And so they come back uh, these 12 leaders, and they report what's going on. And they say, the land is beautiful, it's awesome, it's great. But 10 of them say, we can't take it. Those guys will destroy us. They're huge, they're giants. They say at one point, we're like, we're like grasshoppers compared to them, right? Like, you guys have heard that before. And so, and so they say, we can't do it. We can't take it. We would love to, but it can't happen. And then all the people start to worry, and they say, oh, we'd be better off if we were back in, Israel, we were back in Egypt, right? They start to complain. They say, well, now we're stuck in the desert. We can't go forward to the promised land because of these people. We can't go back to Egypt. At least in Egypt, we had food. At least in Egypt, we had drink, right? They've kind of got that, oh, we should have stayed where we were. And in front of us, there is only devastation, except for two guys, Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua will end up becoming Moses' second-in-command. Command, um, and you'll, we read about him all through that and then in the book of Joshua, obviously, uh, and Caleb. And these guys say, yeah, the guys are huge, but we can take them because God's on our side. We can beat these guys. 
We can take them out. We don't need to be afraid. And when the, and when the other ten say, these guys are crazy, Joshua and Caleb are so convinced and that God wants them to take the land that it says they tear their clothes, right? They are just so bothered by the fact that these people would not trust the Lord that it devastates them. And they even respond physically. But they end up, the, the tribes say, we're not going to go. And God says this. He actually says, these other guys, because they were afraid and didn't trust me, are never going to see the promised land. But Joshua and Caleb, I'm going to let them see the promised land. And so then we get into the book of Joshua. And obviously Joshua uh, and the Israelites get into the promised land. And you know about the walls of Jericho and that story. And so we're picking up here in Joshua 14 as Joshua is really settling things out now that they're actually physically in the promised land and sort of setting up what do we have to do from here to claim what God has for us. And this is what it says. It says, Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. Can you guys like feel this guy's personality, right? Like he never steps off the pedal. He leans in like he is grizzled, right? Like he is like, I'm still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me. Like he's going to go anyway, right? Like I guess he's 85 and he's like, if I'm going down, I'm going down. So, but he says, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him, and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Eighty-five years old, he waited 45 years to do what God made him to do. He went in, and he did it. It's this incredible story, and as I read through it, it, I started thinking about this story a few weeks ago because of a conversation I had, but as I read through it, I realized, like, in so many ways, Caleb models what we at Stonebridge talk about being as followers of Jesus, right? Like our four anchors, right? Be led by the Spirit. Caleb was totally led by the Spirit. He followed after God. It says this phrase, I wholly followed the Lord my God. It actually means, what it, what it means in literal translation is I filled myself up after following God. Like that's how I filled myself up, was by following God. He was led by the Spirit, conformed to the image of Christ. He let God decide who he was, not anything else, not any external circumstance. He was doing his deal, right? Even if he had to wait 45 years to do it, you knew that Caleb's deal was kicking the Anakim tail, right? And he was going to do it no matter what. And he knew where his Marietta was, and he got it. 
He claimed it, and he defeated the giants for the Lord. And so I thought we would take some time at the end of a year, looking forward into a year, at this guy who the, the one characteristic that it said again and again allowed him to do this is that he wholly followed after God. I'm going to say a couple of things about this idea of holy follow after God. First is that God wanted all of the Israelites to holy follow after him, right? That's what God wanted. It wasn't reserved just for Caleb. God wanted it for everybody. And so I want to say to you, if you're in this room today, this is what God wants for you. He wants for you to wholly follow after God. And the other thing I want to say about that is this. If you have found God lacking, it might be because you've only partly followed it might be because not, not to your fault, but because somebody else sold you something or whatever, that, that there are things that have been missing. And today, we're going to talk about two things related to wholly following God. We're going to talk about a gift and a responsibility. When you wholly follow God, it comes with a gift and it comes with a responsibility. And, and I was thinking about, again, some folks that like, maybe you're like, I tried God. I, I don't know about God. I'm not sure if this works or if it doesn't work. And I would encourage you to look at these two things to say, Today and ask yourself, did I really grab hold of the gift and the responsibility that comes with following God? So first, we're going to look at the gift, all right? The gift of holy following God is this. Your best dreams for life are always ahead of you. When you wholly follow God, your best dreams for life are always ahead of you. I think one of the things that really discourages us from following God is that we can be distracted and lied to believe that our best days are behind us or are never going to come, that we don't have best days, that, that for some reason or something that, that, that our dreams are dead. And the great thing about holy following God that we see in Caleb is that everybody wanted to kill his dreams, Right? People, age, all these things wanted to kill his dreams, but his best dreams were ahead of him, right? It is one thing to, to lead a people to destroy giants when you're 40. It's a totally different thing to do it when you're 85, right? And it's like the best. Your best dreams for your life are always ahead of you when you choose to wholly follow God. That means today, tomorrow, next year. That means because of Jesus, on our deathbeds, our best dreams for life are still ahead of us. If you have breath, your best dreams are still ahead of you. And I think God wants us to grab that gift. I was thinking about this um, earlier this week. I, worked in, I work in student ministry now. I worked in campus ministry for a number of years. And usually most of the people you work with in those two ministries are hopefully single, right? And so uh, I, used to, I used to watch people date all the time. And I have some friends now uh, that are my age that for various reasons are dating. And if you think, like if you're married and you're like, oh yeah, dating was cool, it wasn't. It was really hard and difficult. <laughs> And I feel for every single one of you people that have to go through it. And, and, and one of the things, at 9 o'clock, I asked the single people to raise their hands. Kaylee said, I can't do that because that's not okay. I was trying to let you guys see what your options were, but that's fine. Um, so so uh, but one of the hardest things I think about dating is when you meet somebody and you think they're awesome and they think you're awesome and then they stop thinking you're awesome. Right, But you don't stop thinking they're awesome. <laughs> and you get stuck in this place of like, 
that, I thought that was what it was, and there will never be anything better. And one of the things I used to want to implant in my students was if, if, if you have lost here, God's best dreams for you there are still ahead of you. It means that God's best dreams for you there are still ahead of you. Now, if you're married, you got that dream, right? But, but I would say that to you, like, even in your marriage, you may think, like, because of whatever, my best dreams for my marriage are gone but not if you wholly follow after God. And I would say that to some marriages today that have encountered obstacles. I'd say if you're divorced today and you think that, like, that's, I, that's it, my best dreams for relationship are gone. I want you to know that when you wholly follow after God, they're not gone. If you lost a loved one and you think your best dreams for family are gone, I will never be wholly fulfilled in family again. Your best dreams are ahead of you still. And in any other arena in your life where the enemy would lie to you and say your dreams are gone and God has nothing left for you. I think God wants to give you the gift. He wants you to live in the gift that the best dreams for your life are always ahead of you. So there are some obstacles, right, that get in our way. Just like with Caleb, there were obstacles in his way. There are obstacles that get in our way to receiving that gift. And these surely are not all of them, but it's just a few of them um, that, I, that I wanted to point out so that you can see that that's what they are, that they're not the truth about your life. They're obstacles, right? The first one is this, is that other people kind of get to lead your way. It is that you, you either let other people lead your way or they kind of manhandle themselves into your life and tell you who you are and tell you what you can't do and, or damage you or, or do any of these things. And, and those people become the obstacle from you seeing what God really sees as the dreams for your life, right? Those people were around Caleb in numbers. And they said, we can't. We can't. It's too scary. We don't have enough. We are not enough. And God wants you to know that that's just an obstacle. It's just an obstacle. It is not the truth about your life. Second thing is this, is we can start to focus on our own limitation. What we don't have, right? I'm too small, right? I am too old, right? This isn't a story, by the way, just about old people, but if you consider yourself an old person, cheer on, right? But but that's not a limitation for God. It's just an obstacle that you have to get past to see that the best dreams of your life. I don't have enough or I'm too much. They all start that way. Those lies all start that way. Those obstacles always start that way. You see what God wants for you. You see his dreams and suddenly it's met by I'm too much or I'm not enough. Listen, here's the truth. Whether he was 40 or whether he was 85, Caleb was never going to be enough on his own to defeat giants. Are we right? Never. Like, those guys were right, but with God, holy following after God, it was an obstacle instead of the truth. Jesus is the big T truth, and he trumps all other things when it comes to your life. And the last thing is this, is that you can choose to define yourself, or you can get in a habit of defining yourself by your failures. And I was thinking about this in the New Testament, where you see Peter. I feel like Peter probably had a Caleb-like personality, right? Always leaning in. Right, always bold, always out on the front. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, you are a rock and I'm going to build my church on you. And then Peter denies his Lord three times publicly after saying, I'll never. He denies him at the most critical moment to see what's inside of Peter. He denies him to a little girl 
and he probably thought it's over. Like, I can't lead anymore. How many times have you said that in your life? I can't do that thing that God called me to do. I don't deserve it anymore like you deserved it in the first place. And, and so Jesus shows up at the end of John, right? And he, and he pulls Peter in. And because Peter denied him three times, Jesus restores him three times. And he says, no. He says, do you love me? He says, this is all I want to know. Do you love me? Will you love me? Will you follow me with your whole heart? Will you fill up on following after me? And he says, then feed my sheep. Then feed my sheep. And he gives him back his dream. So those are the obstacles. So how do you overcome obstacles? Just very briefly, how do you overcome these obstacles? First is you have to stand on truth. I'd originally written this, and I said you have to stand on your conviction, but sometimes your conviction can be wrong, right? Like those 10 people were really convicted that they weren't going to be able to make it, but they were wrong. You have to stand on truth. That's what Caleb stood on. He said this is who God is, and this is what God said, and so this is what's true. The second thing is this, be patient. I don't know if you want to ask yourself this question or it's too painful, but sometimes I ask myself this question. How close did I, how close was I when I gave up on that thing? Right? Like how close was I and I didn't even know it when I gave up praying? How close was I and I didn't even know it when I gave up on that relationship or I gave up on that thing that God had put in my heart? 45 years he had to wait. Be patient. Third thing, pursue and walk closely in relationships that will speak the truth about who you are into your life. David talks about these all the time. He said, these are people that love God and love you. Right? And I think, I think it was a big deal for Caleb to have Joshua with him that whole way and know that he could go to Joshua and say, Joshua, you remember. You remember what God said about me, so let me do it. Right? Peter got Jesus, which is, he's kind of the trump card. But still, there are people with the spirit of God in them that you need to learn to walk closely with because they're the ones that are going to call out the truth in your life. And then lastly, this, let God tell you what he sees. This was a big one for me today that I was thinking about this. You know, Caleb said, this is what God said. This is what God said. You know, he says, I'm just as strong now that I'm 85 as I was when I was 40. When I first read that, I kind of felt that was like the, like these pants from high school still fit moment. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I still fit in these, honey. And if he had a wife, she was like, Caleb, you're not as strong. You can't fit in those pants anymore, right? And, but, 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 but that's not really what it was, right? So, so I want to give you guys a visual for, for sort of what's going on with Caleb being 40 and Caleb being 85. Go and throw it up there, right? Oh, that's, that's Joshua. That's supposed to be Caleb. So there you go, right? And so what's funny is if you've seen Star Wars, I'm not going to ruin it. I'm not going to ruin it. But if you've seen, that's Han Solo, if you don't know, Um, and shame on you. Uh, But if you've seen Star Wars, if you've seen the new Star Wars, like one of the things that I noticed, and I thought this to myself, was I was like, Han Solo is back, right? And I said to myself, I said, he is so old. I said, there's no way he could beat up all those guys. He couldn't, he could, he's like a hundred guys and one Han Solo. There's no way he could win. He is so old, which is so stupid because he couldn't win in 1977 against like aliens and fighters and all those things any more than he could in 2015. That's a me thing, right? I, I did that. The reason that he can win, the reason that he can do unbelievable things is not because he was younger in 1977. It's because the guy who wrote it was a great writer and wrote him a great role. 
And I know that's funny, but here's what I want you to connect here. The guy who wrote your role is a great writer. And he wrote a great role. And to say I can't or I won't or whatever is to forget what your writer said about you. You've got to take time. I've got to take time to let God tell me what he sees. And when God tells you what he sees, that's when the responsibility comes. And the responsibility is this. When you wholly follow God, you are supposed to defeat things that are too big for you. And so I want, if, if, if you're going to separate these things, this can get a little confusing. We're going to talk about, we've talked about obstacles. We're going to talk about giants. The way I want you to kind of tell the difference is obstacles are personal. Giants are, are communal. God wants you to be a part of defeating giants, right? And, and these are what giants are. Giants are something bigger than you can handle. Right? It's bigger than you. Right? It's not a giant to make lunch for your kids tomorrow. It may feel like it, but it's not. Like You can do that. Giants are bigger than you. The second thing is their giants are something that block people from the good God desires for them. And the reason I highlighted people was this, that these giants, they're, they're not personal. That's not what God's talking about when he's talking about giants. The giants in the land, the giants in the promised land were blocking all the people from getting what God wanted for them. Does that make sense? That wasn't about Caleb. That was about the people of God. These giants are, are communal things. Every single one of us, we, we talk about this all the time. Everybody has a Marietta, right? Ours, we call it a Marietta because ours is Marietta. This city is the place where God has planted us. This is our place that God wants us to be expressions of the kingdom of God and wants us to be citizens of the kingdom of God, gaining the ground of the kingdom of God for. Does that make sense? Every single person in this room has that place, whether it's Marietta or it's your workplace or it's your college campus or it's your hometown because you're in town visiting or or whatever. Every single one of us has a place and every single place has giants that fight against God's best for it. And that's what we're talking about. Something that blocks people from the good God desires for them. And the third thing is, it's something that takes time to see. They had to go spy out the land. They had to know where they were. And God looks at us, and he looks at those giants, and he says, my responsibility to you is to be a part of defeating those giants. And what happens to us, what happens to me, I'm not going to put it on you, but what happens to me is I get caught up in making my life about such small things And that's when I find God lacking, because I get small, not because God gets too small. God says, David, I have a responsibility for you, and it's so much bigger, and it's about so much more than even what happens inside the walls of your own home. It's about the place I've put you, and it's about the giants that want to keep people from what I want. And one of my challenges to you today is to find out what are the giants that God is showing you in your place and how do you get on board with the responsibility of defeating them. If you found God boring or lacking or any of those things, get on board with that. I'll bet you Caleb did not have a boring life because he saw this big responsibility that he got to be a part of. The responsibility is a gift too. So 
I, I don't know if you're not from around here um, what your giants are. I really want to encourage you to, to find those, and I'll give you something at the end to kind of go after that with. But we talk about um, three giants that exist in our community in Marietta. And they surely aren't all the giants, but they're the ones that God has revealed to us. So I want to talk about these for a few minutes. And if you, if this, if you're, if you say Marietta, that's my place. Uh, what I want you to think about as, as we, as I go through these is what, what giant, which one stands out to me right now? Which is the one that makes my heart go, oh, makes my heart go, I want to lean in and fight that, right? What's the one um, that connects with you? So the first one that we talk about, about around here is money. Um, and not just money in general. Not, money isn't good or bad. It's just a thing. Um, but when money becomes a God, when money becomes the place that I find my security, the place I find my identity, uh, the place I find my hope, it's something um, that we've seen as a struggle in our community. And we believe that God wants to fight and defeat that struggle for people and, and turn money into a gift from God to be used uh, for blessing and freely uh, because we have been given freely uh, and, and defeat this fear of scarcity. Uh, the money as a God is often driven by a fear of scarcity. I've got to take care of me because God won't take care of me. Um, and, and so one of the ways uh, that it's defeated um, is by this trust-based generosity. It's one of the ways that we fight against it. As we start to look for and we start to pray for to act in this trust-based generosity in the spirit uh, that we say, because God has taken care of me, um, this is uh, what I'm able to do uh, because I can freely give. The second thing, uh, kind of the second thing we talk about is busyness, right? That busyness is one of the giants in our land. Um, and most of you guys could probably say, I've experienced this giant. In one sh- it might just, not just be in our land. It might be in all lands. The busyness is a thing. And that's that. It, it's not just having a lot to do, but it's constantly running around in my life, adding more to my plate, but never feeling like I reached the goal. Right? Like I've got all this stuff, and I never get to whatever it was that I was trying to accomplish. Right? And it's like I can't miss anything, because if I miss something, what's going to happen to me? And my kids can't miss anything, because if they miss something, what's going to happen to them? And you're just exhausted all the time, because your identity um, is, is caught up in this belief that what or how much I do defines who I am. And one of the ways that we can really strike out against this in our community is by praying for and being people who work from God's gift of rest, right? We serve a God who says that we need to find our rest and our identity in the Lord, and the things we do need to be a product of that. Not that we work to rest, but we work from rest. And the last one is this, um, exclusivity. Uh, and, and that's this, uh, it's, it's, it's a big thing in our community, and so if you're not from this community, it might be hard or it might be big in your community, but that's this insider-outsider mentality. Um, that says, like, there's a group of people that are on the inside. But the weird thing about it is, is, like, you're never in that group no matter who you are. No one's in the inside group. Everybody feels on the outside. Everybody feels lonely and alone. And, and so it's this lie that just sort of perpetuates. And what it does is it, it creates these relationships where we feel like we never belong, and, and so we're never willing to be vulnerable because we're always trying to earn our way inside. And, and so our relationships are superficial, right? I just need to be this person so you'll like me. Or they're competitive. I need to get up so that person gets down because there's only so many places on the inside. Um, and the way we defeat that is by having uh, inviting community for people, being vulnerable uh, and, and being willing to be hospitable um, and say everybody's in. So 
I'm going to wrap up um, with, with two things for you guys. There are some cards. If you're sitting at the end of a row on the wall and then where Bo is on this end, uh, there are some cards underneath there. If you guys will take one and pass them down, everybody get a card. Any uh, student ministries people in here? You guys shocked that I'm doing cards? Does that surprise you? Not at all. I love, I love a good note card if you want to know something about me. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Aaron, will you go back to the obstacles? Well, hold on that for a minute, but then go back. In a so on the card, I want you to write down what is or what could be your obstacle. Will you go back to the obstacles slide really quick? Yeah. So I want you to look at those things, and I want you to say, this is the obstacle for me. You might know it, or it might just be the one that you're not dealing with now, but it could be one, or if there's another obstacle, and that's your obstacle, you feel free to write that down. And I want you to write that down on that card. And today, I want that to be a leave behind for you. I want it to be something where you, when you walk out of here, I want you to put it in one of those baskets. You do not have to put your name on it. That's what students always ask when they have to write something. Do I put my name on it? No, you do not, and it will not be on the final. Um, Just put it in one of those baskets back there. And what what I want to do and what I want to commit to do is over the next month, um, I'm going to pray for you and your obstacles. We are going to pray for you uh, and your obstacles, that God would remove the obstacles, that he would strengthen you to overcome the obstacles. So look at those. You can write down one. You can summarize it if you want to. You can just say other people, limitations, failures. You can do a one word or if there's something else. Then go back. Can you go back to that slide? Yeah. And the other thing I want to give you is a way to be filled up on God to defeat giants. So I have four verses. Three of them relate to our wall, our giants in our community. Uh, The last one is just a general one. If you're not here or none of those connect with you that you could grab, here's what I want you to do. The verse is going to come up or the passage is going to come up. If you have one of these cool uh, devices that takes pictures in your pocket or around you, just take a picture of it, right? You can take a shot right there of it, and that way you'll have it. Or if you don't, you can just write down the verse somewhere, and you'll have it. You can look it up later. And here's what I would love for you to do, is a couple of times a week over the next month, just look at that, read it, and then say, God, do this in my community. Do this. Defeat the giants. Do this in my community. Just do it a couple of times a week, a few times a week, however many times you remember, over the next month to start to grab hold of the responsibilities. Here's the first verse. It's the money one, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. I'm going to go through them pretty quick because you can either take a picture or just write down the 1 Timothy passage. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves is a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Second one is the busyness one. Hebrews 4, 9, and 10. Get your picture if you want it. All those young people like the Kegels getting out their phones and taking pictures. That's awesome. (laughs) That says, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. The last one is the exclusivity ones, Galatians 3, 28 and 29. So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith, for all of you were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And then the last one is, that's just the general one for giants. It's Joshua 14. It's 11 and 12 of the passage we already looked at, so I won't 
read that one out. Um, so Bo's going to come back up. And if we have uh, ministry teams or elders available to pray, if you guys could come forward now. Uh, as Bo plays, I want to give some of you a specific way to respond. We would love to pray for you about anything that's going on in your life. We, if, if you need healing particularly, we'd love to pray for healing. Um, but two specific things to respond to related to this. If God kind of worked on something in your heart, these are good things uh, to have people pray with you about. The first is this. I know my obstacle, and I want to believe God to overcome it. So you know what it is, but you're struggling to believe you can live beyond your failures, live beyond other people, whatever it is. Um, we would love to pray with you about that. And then the second one is this. I know my giant, but I need something to walk into the land. Do you need a friend? Do you need a Joshua to your Caleb, somebody that will believe in you? Do you just need courage? Do you need a plan? Like, what do you need to walk to start walking forward? And we would love to pray for you about that. So I'll pray, and Bo will play, and you, will, you can respond. Y'all stand with me. Let's pray. God, thank you so much, God, that you give us gifts and you give us responsibilities. God, that for every single one of us, God, that there are best dreams of us. And I pray for anybody in this room that is struggling to believe that, even as I say it, that they're living under this lie, that, that they're the loophole. They're, they're the one because of what happened to them or because of what they did that have no more good dreams in you. God, I pray that you would set them free today to live with the gift. And then, God, I confess For all of us who have too many times let our life be too small. God, I confess that I remember today that you made me, you made us to defeat giants. And God, I pray that you would give us the grace to grab hold of that responsibility. In Jesus' name, amen.